Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of The Background Scoop. I'm your host, DJ Stavropoulos, part-time actor here in Atlanta, Georgia. Once again, thanks so much for tuning in. In this episode, I cover two new things that I've never done before, a real commercial for Big Tarvi, as well as my perfection of the Zoom technique for doing a self-tape audition with at least one other person. I did this recently for two projects, Angels Getting Ready and A Guide to Murder. It works really well once you get the hang of it. I did my first full table read in person in Birmingham for the Devil movie I'll be in. I also describe how I'm perfecting my stand-in technique to focus more on the movement and less on the words themselves. Of course, I include some content from The Resident, where I just wrapped up week 17, including an interesting interaction with Malcolm Jamal Warner, who is really the nicest guy. I'll get started after the break. Today is Tuesday, October 25th, 2022. Happy birthday to my sister, Diana. I don't send cards anymore, and she's mysteriously missing from Facebook today, so maybe she's officially off the grid. Oh my God, my new Film One class at the Alliance started a week ago. It's been ages. My last class ended four months ago in June. I thought Allison Gardner was great. This guy is fantastic. His name is Josh Price. He gave us this incredibly generic script and then had me and one other guy act it out seven times. Each time he tweaked it just a bit to have us deliver it differently. Then he had another two people do it in a completely different way. Amazing. Our version was very depressing. Two best friends discussing my terminal medical prognosis. Anyway, although this is called film one and I expected the structure to mimic that of acting one, the goal is to prepare you for a real audition that you do in the fourth and final class. Then later in a fake coffee shop scene, I had to be the indecisive patron who holds up the line while poor Helen behind me had to get the code to the bathroom before she S-H-I-T her pants. I very slowly inquired about the pumpkin salmon eggnog latte and the barista tried not to laugh as he rattled off the ingredients. Too many carbs, I said. I had a tough stand-in day for Conrad, played by Matt Zucri on The Resident last Thursday. I learned that the lines are not important, it's the movements. I had no idea we could do this until I saw Maya with her camera out. I filmed the marking rehearsals. It really helps because there is no way you can remember everything the actor does in that single marking rehearsal and then do the same thing yourself. Lots of walking and talking and running and doing stuff with my hands and yelling very long medical terms, such as pulmonary edema, the pancreatitis is getting worse, and two of lorazepam and an intubation kit. I don't know what I would that I would want to stand in on a regular basis for a main character because it's a ton of work. When you stand in for someone who is just in one episode, it tends to be easier. Sometimes they don't even move, so you are literally just standing there. By the way, the Febreze rough cut came out fantastic. Yogi sent it to us and it looks like a real commercial. I cannot wait to see the finished product and share it on social media. This past week was crazy because my client went under contract on his new house and I literally had four days to list his old house. I usually have three to four weeks. We got two offers in two days. We went under contract on day three for $10,000 over the listing price. That's $910,000 in sales, just like that. I learned two things. I can list a home in great condition very quickly. 
And when you have two or more offers, set a best and highest deadline. This will induce better offers from them. Although in our case, one buyer didn't change their offer at all. The other auteurs wrote a really impactful love letter and then came to my open house with their friends on Sunday. Yesterday was so incredibly boring. I was used once all day long. I had to ping pong every eight seconds in the old ICU while filming was on the other side of double doors with glass inserts. Three of us. We had a transportation issue at BG Parking in the morning. People had been there 20 minutes when I got there at 10.15 and were worried they would miss the testing window that closed at 11. I just got into my car and drove to the testing trailer at the stages we film at. Ba thanked me for some reason, but never told me to drive my car back to where I started, so I didn't. Paul did. When the day was over, I was able to simply walk to my car and leave. I had to cancel the resident today in order to attend my film one class. Instead of waiting until I got my call time and hoping I would just be on call and get paid for it, I canceled yesterday before call times were sent. I plan to call it on Thursday for another project after I get my call time and didn't want to do that twice in the same week. As I was parking my car a few blocks from the high this morning, Kristen called me to say the class had been canceled for today. The instructor was suddenly very sick and contagious. That could be a number of things, but something called COVID-19 immediately came to mind. They offered me free admission to the high today if I wanted, but I passed. They said they'd reschedule this class by most likely tacking one on to the end of the Tuesday series after the fourth class. I also had a COVID test for a Bic Tarvi commercial I am doing on Thursday. Just background. This company called Idell James Casting New York reached out via email four days ago. I have no idea how they found me because it wasn't through Actors Access or Backstage or Casting Networks. I believe this is a drug for HIV positive people and makes it undetectable and so not spreadable to others. I am guessing I will be in the background at some fake pool party or get together hamming it up while the principal actor talks about the drug. And then some voiceover running at 90 miles an hour will list out all of the side effects. These are typically long and worse than the original problem the drug is supposed to address. So what's the point? Well, this is my second commercial and I feel as if I'm one step closer to a principal role in one. We shall see. Today is Friday, October 28th, 2022. I did the Big Target commercial yesterday. It was great and very close to home. We started at a CrossFit training place in downtown Decatur in the morning called Decatur Strength and Conditioning, which I've driven by a million times since it's between my office and my gym. We were done with the shot in three hours. Then we had lunch and moved to the Ace Hardware on Scott Boulevard. Overall, very easy and exactly eight hours. Martin, the PA, put me on the rowing machine at the gym, so I really had to row for that part of it. A bit exhausting, but nothing that would kill me. You cannot really fake rowing because the tension on the machine is actually real. I had my usual experience with engaging with the other five complete strangers. At first, 
I wasn't really in the mood, but eventually opened up as I saw others chatting away and didn't want to feel left out. At lunch, I chatted up a storm with a makeup woman and another featured background woman who was there only for the afternoon shoot. She played the fake employee named Martha. I learned that armadillos are migrating here because of the climate change. I talk about them in my roadkill episode. And that the local deer are getting very tame, which explains my recent experience trying to show a house with six deer on the lawn who refused to move out of my way. I also picked up some strange bits of conversation from the next table. All I heard was predatory ladybugs, breakfast at Tiffany's, and raccoons. What to make of that? I don't know. Then on to Ace Hardware for some fake shopping. All of this was fun. I made some good connections. A woman named Jenny told me to apply for something on casting networks called Angels Getting Ready. Another woman there, Vanessa, had already applied and received a media request. I applied and got one too for the role of manager. We are supposed to read for each other and submit tomorrow, but it's one of those situations where I gave her my card but didn't get her information, so she may or may not reach out. Stop the car, Batman. She just texted me. It's on for noon tomorrow. I thought for a minute that either her life will get in the way or worse, she'll listen to this podcast, conclude that I'm a weirdo, and never reach out. I think this may have happened with a woman referred to me by my friend Morgan. Morgan's friend just moved to Atlanta recently and wants to do some background acting. We texted a lot for a few days and set up a Saturday call. Then she said she preferred to listen to my podcast first. I haven't heard back. So either one, she got what she needed, two, her life got in the way, or three, she listened to the podcast and thinks I'm insane and doesn't want anything to do with me. Always a risk, but it's not going to change who I am. She told me all about how these real commercial shoots go. This is Vanessa. You have the crew making the commercial, and then you have the client, which is the company that hired them to do it. In our case, it was 10 to 15 Gilead people, all dressed up, sitting around in a circle, feverishly working away on their laptops all day. She insisted they had no real reason to be there, except to make sure the brand was kept intact. At one point, we were lined up in front of them so they could approve our wardrobe. We were given a list of colors to not wear, and she said it's because there may be competing brands that use those colors. And we joked about how stupid pharma commercials are all the same, fake people running around with a long list of side effects at the end. I pulled up a Bix Harvey commercial on YouTube just to refresh my memory, and I was right. It's the one with the lesbian couple dancing at the bar and the black couple washing the big white dog in their bathtub. I chatted a little with the star of the commercial, Darren, I think his name was, because someone at Snow Companies reached out to me two years ago for a similar role as a brand ambassador, but it never came to fruition. I do this weird thing in these situations where I tend to be very judgy initially when meeting new people. I look at them and stereotype who they are and put them into a box. But then I make the effort to engage and get to know more about them, if for no other reason, to dispel the myth in my head of who I think they are. This happened with a few people yesterday. I thought this one woman was perfectly normal, but then she told me she was against COVID vaccinations and was afraid to move into the city of Atlanta due to crime. We were suddenly on two different planets and I couldn't understand where she was coming from. Then the reverse happened with another person. I immediately classified her, but then as I got to know her more, realized my classification was totally inaccurate. So the moral of the story here is you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. And if you do, just start reading the book and see what it's really about. 
My last therapist brought up this judginess to my attention, and I did recognize and am working on it, but then she up and ditched me after moving to Miami. She was no longer in my network and wanted me to pay out of pocket. We started our sessions live in our office, but then she moved to Miami, so they turned to Zoom calls. And then in January of 2021, she up and left the practice. I did really like working with you, Rochelle, but I think I got out of it all I needed for the time being. Therapists are masters at convincing you that your therapy will never end and that you should follow them wherever they go. Kind of like the person who cuts your hair. You're always afraid they will move away and you'll have to find someone new. But I just went through that and for the first time ever, it was a piece of cake replacing them. I am officially cheating on the resident once again. I got booked for a one day job on Megalopolis with Francis Ford Coppola. Hopefully this time it all works out and there is no last minute cancellation after taking time off to test and fit for it. They don't want me talking about it at all, so I cannot share any details. I am standing in again today for someone named Sam on the resident. They have split crews today, so I am not at the Sound Sages in Conyers. I am at the Georgia Archives building in Morrow, Georgia, where I filmed the one that got away earlier this year. Today is Sunday, October 30th, 2022. Happy Halloween, one day early. The self-taping for Angels Getting Ready with Vanessa went really, really well yesterday. This is actually the first time I did a Zoom call with someone to record an audition. The logistics I now have down pat. I set up a Zoom call and used my laptop to execute it and capture her voice. And then I used my iPhone on a tripod in my home studio to record the video and audio of me. I learned a few things. One, she said the sound of the reader shouldn't be as loud as the actor, so I lowered the volume. Two, she also said the reader should be basically monotone so as not to detract from the actor's delivery. Three, I had my big laptop facing the other way so she could not see me. When we recorded her lines, I could see her, which made more sense in terms of me being cued to deliver my lines. So it's probably best to orient your laptop so that the other person can see you as you record. And four, although I memorized my lines, I typed the entire script into PowerPoint, leaving out irrelevant descriptions so that it all fit onto two pages instead of the original five-page script that we got. This made it much easier to read, and I only had to turn the page once, not four times. I bold my lines and gray out all the others so that mine stand out. Despite this, the instructions said, you can and should hold the script, which I did, but I found that I kept looking down at the script, sort of as a crutch, even though I knew the words. In the end, I think it's better to not have them in your hand so that you're never looking down. Maybe I didn't explain this earlier, but we both submitted for something called Angels Getting Ready on casting networks on Thursday while we were at the Dick Tarby shoot. So we decided to read for each other. The five page script was great and our lines overlapped. So the casting director may recognize my voice on her audition and her voice on mine. I'm recording something else with my friend Kelly on Tuesday. It's on Actors Access, and I declined the original EcoCast audition because it was complicated and required multiple readers. The person apparently really wants me to try out for something because he invited me to audition for another role. The pay is not much better than what I get for standing in on The Resident, but it's the lines that count, not the money. Finally, I had been planning to list my house on some website called List Your Property as a Film Location for a few weeks now. 
We were talking about it in holding a few weeks back, and Elle insisted I do it. Well, it's been on my honey to-do list. On Friday, I came home to find a flyer on my mailbox from a company called A24. They're considering my house for a TV show and want to come take pictures. He will be here in less than an hour. Imagine that. It's kind of odd because I'm really picky about who comes into my house and don't even want to host parties, but the lure of thousands of dollars in rental fees is irresistible. He said if the show gets picked up, there's the possibility that they would come back again and again. They need a cool teenager's bedroom with interesting windows or ceiling features. I have dormers in one bedroom and sloped ceilings in the other. My master bedroom has a tray ceiling. Only the middle bedroom has nothing. Heck, they could use the living room on the first floor, but it's kind of boxy and boring too. But it does have four windows and French pocket doors. Today is Sunday, November 6, 2022. I had a crazy week. On Monday, Joseph Jean, the filmmaker who put me in two of his films earlier this year, reached out and invited me to a screening at his office. I arrived and he plopped down his laptop in a lounge area and left me there for an hour to watch Class A, the first one. Then he started up American Mummy, the second one, which I enjoyed much more. Even though I had had no formal training before these, I think I did pretty well. No flubs in the dialogue, but I could certainly have been more emotional. The cinema photographer for Class A is withholding some footage, so only my student role made it into the movie, not the bad guy role where I shoot a gun at the robot. Then he told me he wants me to play Abraham Lincoln in a short he's filming in December. Just a small role, but he needs the beard and needs me to shave my mustache. Now I'm having facial hair issues. I'm booked on Megalopolis on November 28th for one day. It requires that I be clean shaven. I am then filming The Devil Comes Dressed for Church 2 10 days later. My beard will not be fully back by then because it takes a good three weeks to grow back. The Abe Lincoln movie will probably film the week after that, so roughly two to three weeks after the shaving. I really need that beard. The Megalopolis fitting was canceled due to production issues, so this problem will likely go away. My friend Catherine did her fitting and said the whole schedule is being moved to mid-December, so we're most likely not filming at the end of November, which means I can shave after Devil and Lincoln and not impact them. On Tuesday, I had my second film one class. The script was really interesting, but I messed up my part. I was told to turn it down from a 10 to an 8. Three things to do when you get a scene. One, document what you know, the facts. Two, determine what you can infer from these facts. And three, figure out what you can bring to the scene. I recorded the scene myself later at home on my phone so I could practice both parts, Leslie and Anne. The instructor, Joseph, really believes in a what-the-heck approach where you try multiple versions just to see what happens. You learn a lot from this. Later that day, I recorded a fun audition with my friend Kelly, whom I haven't seen in ages. She, as my reader, had more lines than me. Here's the problem with that. You spend a lot of time just standing there, so you have to be very cognizant of what your face is doing. Otherwise, you look ridiculous if you're just staring off into space, waiting for your turn to speak. Then at 8 p.m., I got an actor's access request to submit for a voiceover role. I cranked it out in 20 minutes, surprisingly no mistakes, and I actually think my voice sounds good, as if I could actually make money off of it. 
This is a recurring job for a documentary and pays $10,000. On Wednesday, I was back at the resident after four days off. More Nike sneakers. Both Manish and Matt wear them. I still don't have an answer on Matt's sneakers from wardrobe. Gigi wears tiny Chelsea boots. I honestly think the industry imposed these on her and that little kids do not really wear Blundstone boots. Well, maybe just the children of people in the industry. It was Johnny's birthday and I made a video. At the end, I zoomed in on Matt's Nike sneakers and posted the photo on Facebook. Within minutes, Friends had identified them as Nike SF Air Force One Faded Olive. They run from $300 to $1,000 on various sites, depending on the size. I saw a blue version on Poshmark for $200, but they have Sherpa lining for the winter, and as much as I prefer the color, I don't really want them to be winter boots. Later in the day, Ellen and I were stuck by a fake sign about vision, goals, and values, titled, quote, we save lives every day, unquote. We found oodles of grammatical errors. If Grammar Girl ever walked through here, she'd get really sick. She'd have a grammar seizure. They could do an entire episode about it. There were actually three of these signs on the wall. Here are the titles. We lead in patient care. We establish high standards. And we save lives every day, where every day is incorrectly one word. At lunch, I learned that both Sean and Gabe were raised in households that practice two religions concurrently. One parent is Jewish and the other Catholic, and now both practice neither. It's just like what happened on the show, the rehearsal. Nathan secretly takes the son to a Jewish tutor without telling the mother, who does not approve of raising her son as a Jew. Ping-ponging can get complicated. It's like watching a game of this, only the balls are people. We kept messing it up. Two people on side A call them one and two, one on the other side, B, whom we'll call three. Here's how it goes. Person one walks from A to B. Person three walks from B to A. Person two walks from A to B. In exactly three moves, everyone is on the opposite side of where they started. Three moves later, after six total moves, everyone is back to where they started. It's simple math. But the first few times we did this, something weird happened. We kept ending up with a person who walked to an empty side and then immediately had to turn around and walk back, being both the ping and the immediate pong. That's not how this is supposed to work. Elle and I debated it, <clears throat> and she was right. I thought it had something to do with the fact that we had an odd number of people, but it was really us not following the directions. I imagine that with four people, it should take four moves to get everyone on the opposite side and eight moves to return them to their original sides. Try this at home. So Joseph Jean has already revised the Abe Lincoln script to now be a dialogue instead of a monologue and asked me to reach out to Kevin, whom I know, and Matt, whom I don't, to be my two cabinet members. What am I, the casting director? On Thursday, I stood in for Conrad again. Always look at people when they pass. Me, Sean, and Tyler were against a wall, and Corbin Burnson walked by and stared at each of us, but I wasn't looking. I could have had a moment with Gigi's grandpa, previously a lawyer on L.A. Law, and also Sean's father on Psych. On to the last scene of the day. It was just Conrad, which is me, walking furiously down the hallway, doing a counterclockwise spin. All eyes were on me. I recorded the marking rehearsal and watched it at least 10 times before we did the second team rehearsal. It was that complicated, but it helped me get it right. On Friday, I was pulled to walk out of the pharmacy and do a false start and almost get run over by two people. 
The director, Rob Korn, gave me a note. Leave much sooner. Prior to this, they were filming two things at the same time, a real scene and some security footage right next to it. It was difficult listening to two people directing and having to ignore one of them. When it was our turn, some of the background in the real scene bled into ours. It was very confusing. Finally, on Saturday, I spent the day in Birmingham, Alabama, doing a table read for The Devil Comes Dressed to Church 2. It was a long drive, two and a half hours each way, and it was supposed to last three hours, but Tiffany cut it short at two and a half due to technical issues. We had feedback from phones, so we had one laptop at the front for the video and someone holding a phone up to the actors to capture the sound. There were maybe 15 to 20 of us in the room itself and a bunch of others on Zoom. It was nice to meet the people in person, especially Tiffany, since I have never seen her live, and on Zoom calls, she doesn't turn her camera on. We got through 50% of the script, but that meant only two of my 11 scenes. Sebastian, whom I worked on Red Notice with, was also there. I had submitted him as a potential for the role of Deacon, but she decided on something else for him. See you next week. Today is Monday, November 7th, 2022. I had a complicated scene to do today that, to my surprise, got very funny. Be careful what you wish for. I was basically standing five feet behind Matt Zucri, who plays Conrad. Conrad walks into the ICU to chat with Devin, AJ, and Yamada. Because they always yell background first, I'm thinking I may have time to get in front of him before he starts moving. But I don't, because they immediately yell, action. The first few times I realized that there was very little space between where he lands and the cameraman, so that I have to almost turn sideways to squeeze through. So I decided to move closer to his start mark and enter the room before him to solve the problem. But then they moved him closer to the doorway. As I followed behind, the background PA yelled, no, back up DJ. So instead of maintaining my distance, I was now even farther behind him which guaranteed that I could not get ahead of him when entering the room. It all worked out in the end after several takes. I just squeezed through, trying not to hit his right arm because he always puts it on his hip and it was sticking back into my space. During this scene that we had to do over and over and over again, they yelled reset five seconds into it during one take. I had to turn around immediately and return to my start mark. I must have looked frustrated because Malcolm Jamal Warner said very loudly, Sorry, DJ. It took a few seconds to register that he was talking to me. I raised a thumbs up and smiled. And then Matt Zucri, who was standing five feet ahead of me, turned around and looked right at me as if to say, Who are you and why is Malcolm joking with you? It was a little bizarre and embarrassing, but I do love the fact that a principal actor of his caliber is willing to engage with us as if we were equals. Matt Zucri is always intensely involved in his scenes and has never made eye contact with me except for this one time, even though I've suited for him twice, including the frantic search down the hall last week. So now I know Malcolm is a practical joker and I have to be ready next time for the comeback. Today is Tuesday, November 8th, 2022. Happy midterm election day. What an incredibly frustrating morning. For the second time, my film one class at the Alliance Theater was canceled. Only this time, it happened before I left the house. 
this isn't a normal segment. I mentioned two segments ago that I applied for a voiceover job for a documentary about a ship. I thought it sounded good at the time, but now believe it's a little on the lifeless side. You decide. Here goes. At 168 meters in length, the ship is longer than one and a half football fields and more than six times the size of some of the world's most impressive super yachts. However, she is just over half the size of the average cruise liner, the perfect marriage of space, luxury, and maneuverability. With 10 intricately designed decks and relatively compact size gives her access to visit ports across the world that others cannot. The engine room is located on deck two with four diesel powered engines generating electricity for the entire ship. At the stern of deck three is the Discovery toy box, including a nine and a half ton submersible capable of taking six guests up to 300 meters below the ocean. A specially designed marina makes boarding one of the ship's 12 Zodiacs or fleet of kayaks and paddleboards a breeze as well as taking on the polar plunge. The ship is fitted with a 120-seat state-of-the-art theater for shows and lectures, an impressive 550-square-meter census spa, yoga studio, gym, and nine dining and lounge experiences across decks four through seven, including the culinary journey of 10 courses of gastronomy at Chef's Table at Elements. Guest suites are located across decks five through eight, with the ultra-luxurious 110-square-meter owner's penthouse suites at the forward end of Deck 9. The heartbeat of the ship is located on the bridge at the forward of Deck 7, where the captain and his navigation officer are busy preparing for arrival into the port of San Diego. Something doesn't seem to be going right with the recording. And so now I'm using the internal computer microphone, not the USB external one. Today is Thursday, November 10th, 2022. I spent hours Tuesday addressing recording issues on the Anchor platform. The website wasn't recording correctly, so everything was coming up static at two to three times the normal speed. That's the gobbledygook you just heard. I gave up. If there's one thing I hate, it's troubleshooting software issues with technical people. It's not my job and no one's paying me for it. So I'm sorry, but instead I will just stop using your buggy software. I'm tired as hell. My Megalopolis fitting is back on for next week. I applied for a documentary on Backstage and spent half the day making a 10-minute video for that. It has to be at least 10, but no longer than 25 minutes long. Mine is about 15. I recorded separate videos to answer each of the 10 questions, and then an intro and an outro. I probably won't get picked, but it was fun to make. We had a production meeting Monday evening for The Devil Movie. Tiffany asked for headshots, and now I know why. She's posting them on the movie's Facebook page to generate excitement about its 2023 release in theaters and on streaming platforms. I noticed yesterday that Matt's sneakers have been changed. He's now wearing black and gray Nikes. I signed up for 3K on Saturday, two days from now. I do hope Friday is not a long day on The Resident. Today, I was on call all day long. It's Sunday, November 13th, 2022. I'm at Sterling, one of our new core background on Friday. Poliomyelitis was the word for the day. I saw it on set somewhere. I asked Siri what it means. It's just the formal term for polio. 
Rowella Day magically appeared around 4 p.m. She had been on set most of the day. We worked together on Red Notice, and I haven't seen her in probably a year. It was Sean's last day on set. Best wishes on your next big adventure, like Pee Wee Herman. It was a little lonely, just me and Stella, Kevin was out, and Catherine snuck off to work on Megalopolis. I got confirmed as we left at 5 p.m. Nice and early that I will be at the high on Monday. They are also filming in Conyers. We call this split cruise. I need to get down to Hapeville for a Megalopolis test, probably during lunch since we typically arrive at 6.30 a.m. on Mondays. The test is to fit on Tuesday at Trillith. The testing window is actually 7 to 2. I learned that our call time is 10.48 a.m., so I should have plenty of time to test before going in. This has never worked out this well. I was all ready to call Central to ask to be placed at the high on Monday instead of Conyers, but even that wouldn't guarantee anything without knowing my call time. Problem solved. The Beltline Eastside 3K was okay yesterday. I'm glad I went. But my time was awful. In some ways, it felt like jumping into the past. I haven't run a race in three years. I logged onto the Athlink site to see my history. I have no recollection of this, but I ran the Beltline Eastside 10K in December 2019. It was my last race until now. I'm binging the second season of Hightown on Stars. I don't really like it. It's not my kind of show. It's all about drugs and full of violence, but it's set in Provincetown, so that's fun to see. They must film it in the winter. On second thought, I think it may be ruining people's perception of the town. It's a fun beach town for vacationing and full of gays. I don't believe it's a drug haven, but what do I know? Maybe my reality isn't the real one, and the TV show is the truth. We start the final round of rehearsals for The Devil Movie this week, just three weeks to go before I'm back in Birmingham for the filming. Let's hope that this schedule sticks. Third time's a charm. That's all for this episode. Tune in again for more of the Background Scoop, where I discuss background acting here in Atlanta. Hope you're learning and getting some BG rules of your own. Feel free to reach out with your questions, which I'll try to answer in a future episode, or tell me a story about your own experience, and I may choose to interview you. See the episode notes for how to reach out, and if you like what you've heard, please rate the podcast. Thanks for listening.